Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for joining today. Today we have on Eddie Smith, and Eddie is a type one diabetic. He's had diabetes for 26 years, and he's also had some issues with his thyroid, which we'll get into in the interview. He is someone that has been able to dramatically reduce the insulin that he takes on a daily basis. He's also been able to reduce the thyroid medication that he uses as a result of intermittent fasting and losing quite a bit of weight. Eddie is someone that does 23-in-1 or OMAD as his fasting schedule. He changes it up a little bit on the weekends to a 16-8, and in the process, he's managed to lose over 100 pounds. He goes through all of this and he gives us some good information about how he manages his health and his thyroid. So this is really an interesting episode and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Hi, Eddie. Thank you so much for joining today. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited to hear your story. Maybe before we dig into it, you can just give us a little bit of an intro. I'm 43 years old. I'll be 44 here in two weeks. And... I've been diabetic since I was 17. I found out I was diabetic on Valentine's Day and ended up in a diabetic coma and was admitted to the hospital because the doctor initially thought I had the flu and sent me back home and that wasn't the case. And I woke up in the hospital with uh, sugar over 900. Wow. And how long into your coma did it take for them to figure out that you had diabetes? It was, well, I remember when I came to, I think it was the next day. And then that's when they, I was in the ICU unit and they decided, or that's when they figured out I had diabetes. That's a pretty traumatic story. Yeah, it was, it was scary at the time being a kid and just life changing overnight, really. So were you, were you still living at home at the time or had you been? Yes, I was, yes. And it was like, a change of life. Nobody was familiar with it. And it just kind of was hard for everybody, including myself, obviously. Yeah. Having to go on shots out every day. And I was up to taking five shots a day and supposed to be monitoring my sugar. And it was more of a game, I think, at the time than anything. Yeah, actually, I'm a, a member of this Facebook group and somebody put their numbers up from when they got diagnosed in the 1990s and they had their log. I was like, oh, I remember those logs and I would just make things up right before going to the doctor yes. appointment and put all the good blood sugars that didn't really happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. like filling out the check registry at the end of the week, trying to figure it all out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So no, yes, but, yeah, go ahead. Oh, so now I, you know, I'm, I work in a factory. I'm a CNC machinist and that's kind of been a blessing in my life and also not because it's a pretty sedentary job at times, but it's been able to, it, it goes along with being able to take care of the diabetes a little more too. 
Yeah. What does CNC mean? I don't know that. It's computer numerical control. It's all computer-based machining and you program in software and actually make a part on a machine out of, oh. you know, steels, plastic, whatever you're doing. Okay. So, but you can look at your blood sugar all day and correct if you need to. And yes. Yeah. That's nice. That's, that's good. So how do you manage your diabetes now? Obviously, you know, back in the nineties when we were both diagnosed, it was all just shots and everything, but I believe you have a pump now. Is that right? Yes. I'm on, currently I'm on the Medtronic 770 with the CGM and with the, like the basal rates and everything, it automatically corrects itself. So if it sees my sugars hovering around, I think it's 120 is where they got their max set. If it's below that, it just cuts my basal rate off altogether and then tracks any trends up or down. Cause that's, I don't even have to adjust my blood sugar or my basal rates at all. It's all done by the pump. Okay. So I had the 670G, but only for a really short period of time. And then I, it wasn't working well for me. I think the 770 is probably, did you ever have a 670 or did you start with yes, 770? That's, no, that's it, what I've had it all the way back to, I think the 540. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, I've been each step. Do you find the 770 an improvement over the 670? Oh, absolutely. Cause it has that, well, it has that look closed loop or the semi-closed loop system in it. And yeah. for me, it actually works very well. I don't think I could do the fasting side of this if I didn't have it. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk more about that, but do you find, cause I think when I was, and I know the set, the 670 was there, they were, Medtronic was like the first at, you know, out in the market that had some, like a hybrid closed loop system. And mm -hmm. then everybody else kind of, you know, came behind them, but I felt like the 670G was a little bit clunky, like the Guardian would sometimes kick out and then like the the algorithm and the pump didn't know what to do. But has that, has the Guardian kind of improved a little bit? Do you have any trouble with that? I don't have any issues at all with it. And okay. I mean, as far as what it's doing for me so far, it's been working great. I am looking up, looking forward to the upgrade they have that's supposed to have a, a fully closed system at the 780G once that's released. And it's supposed to be even better with the algorithm and tracking everything. Oh, cool. I love how all these diabetes companies are sort of like racing each other to come out with the you know next best thing. So that's mm -hmm. to all of our benefits. So that's that's awesome. So what what type of insulin do you use? I'm on Novolog. Okay. So you're on Novolog. And then you also said that you use Synthroid, is that right? Yes. And I Figured, found that out through the normal blood work for diabetes when you go in have the full panel. And it was shown that I had Hashimoto's and Graves' disease. So it showed one way at one point my thyroid was overactive. And then at the next point it was underactive and it was just like a roller coaster for my thyroid. So then I had to take an iodine pill that was radioactive that actually killed my thyroid. And it was kind of weird. I had a waiting period after I took it. I had to stay away from people. And then they said, just wait it out. We'll see. You know, they had to check it again to make sure that it took and my thyroid died. And it was like one week we, we were gone on vacation, came back and I went to work and I couldn't even fit in my work uniforms. Really? And I gained like 40 pounds in one week. And that's when I wow. shot up the three, I was 315 pounds in a week and it's like I called my doctor and then that's when they said okay the 
treatment worked, we have to put you on Synthroid, which is a hormone treatment for your what your thyroid gives you. So which, do, you feel, do you feel like you're back to normal now? Now I do. Okay. But for the past, I've been, I had that treatment maybe six, seven years ago. And it's been an, an emotional physical roller coaster on that side of it because it just it literally just drains you if that hormones off you could just walk from room to room and feel like you just ran a marathon wow is that the standard treatment for that yes Synthroid seems like from my looking into it seems like the popular choice of treatment okay okay well I'm glad you got that figured out that must have been horrible it, it was because it's, I mean, both physically, mentally, it just, it takes you into an area that you don't understand because you really don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So d- does Synthroid and I guess, and see, I don't know enough about hypothyroidism or any thyroid issues to know this, but does it impact your blood sugars at all? It's no, it doesn't. No, not okay. at all. It's okay. more, it seems like from what I've read about it, cause I've did some studies that was from when I got it, I figured as long as I don't read about it, I kind of like out of sight, out of mind, but it didn't work that way. But it's yeah. more geared towards your metabolism and that kind, that part of your body. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you have been able to get that under control. I know a lot of autoimmune diseases travel together, so I'm not, I'm not totally surprised. I know a lot of type one diabetics deal with thyroid issues and mm-hmm. I actually feel like I need to, I'm going to talk to my doctor about it. My hands and my feet are always freezing cold. And I know that's like mm-hmm. a real symptom of hypothyroidism. Yes. So I got to, <laughs> I got to figure that out for myself too. But yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that's all worked out. So you went up to 315 pounds. Is that, did you stay there for a while or when you got on the Synthroid and it came right back down? No, that Synthroid did nothing but kind of level it out. Like that's where I stopped at and I was kind of stuck there. And as time went on, it just slowly kept creeping up. And that's when I top, I topped down at 333. Wow. And, and what year, and that, when was that exactly? Do you remember? That was the highest that I got was yeah. this past May was the last time. Well, was the last time I was that heavy. Wow. It, May, yeah. May, May, 2021. And that was purely as a result of the thyroid issue that you were dealing with or mainly the result and, of that. Well, it didn't help. It was lifestyle choices too. And I mean, I never was a a fast food eater or junk food eater, but it was like, if I, it didn't matter if I was on a 1200 calorie diet or a 2000 calorie diet, if I looked at food, I gained weight. Yeah, no, I get that. (laughs) Yeah, it says that Synthroid just kind of helped maintain it. So I didn't get to, I guess, five, 600 pounds. Okay, so that was in May, 2021 that you reached the 333. And then at that point, is that when you found intermittent fasting? Yes. I had a doctor's appointment the Friday before, because I think May 3rd was on a Monday, maybe, or a Sunday. I had a doctor's appointment on that Friday, and it's, I'm getting discouraged because I'm bigger than I've ever been. And I've tried to talk to my doctor about it and see you know, what's going on. I've been on 1,200-calorie diets. I've been on vegetarian diets. And, low carb, everything. If it was a fad to lose weight, I was trying it to lose weight. We were going to the gym. I was trying to, you know, do walking, some training. And it's like, I, it was a joke that I, we went to a group class, fitness class. And I'd always say I'm the healthiest 300 pound guy you'll ever see. 
And it was like, and he was just, he would treated me like I was lying. Like there's no way I'm eating this little and going to the gym and not losing weight. So I remember coming home just discouraged and just kind of fed up with it. And we were laying in bed and I was, I'm a big podcast listener. I listen to everything on a podcast and I was scrolling through podcasts about weight loss and health. And that's when I came across the fasting for life podcast. And they were the first ones I listened to. And it's like, okay, there might be something to this. So I started reading about it. And then the very next morning, it's like, I'm, I'm going to fast. And then that's when it started. I hear this from a lot of people that they just make up their mind one day and they're like, all right. And it happened to me too. That's it. Mm -hmm. Today's the day I'm starting. How did you start? What, what protocol did you start with? Well, listening to the fasting for life guys, they're like hardcore fasting. I mean, it's seven days, five days, and it's. So I went right to OMAD. I went to work. There's a guy I knew there that dabbled in fasting and I've heard him talk about it. So I was asking him and he was telling me he was on the 16 and eight. And I'm like, well, I listen to these guys and they eat once a day. So that's what I'm going to do. And he's like, eh, he goes, you might want to try, you not, not go all in. It's like, nope, that's what I'm going to do. Well, I made it for 20 hours that day. And then I ate my lunch. Wow. And, that's pretty good for a first day. Yes. And then from that day forward, it was like, I just forced myself when I, well, it's just more 23 hour fasting and I had an hour open to eat. And from that fit day forward, that's where I went. And it was coffee and water for the rest of the time. And that's, I went right to OMAD day one. Wow. And did you find yourself, because I mean, normally there's some sort of like transition period. Obviously you only made it only, I say only in quotes, only made it 20 hours on your first fast, but I mean, I think I, I was dying at like, you know, 15 <laughs> hours when I was trying to do, you know, 16, eight on my first few fasts. Did you find that you were hungry and did you just push through it? It was absolutely agonizing. And yeah, it was a matter. It was a lot of pushing through. And I remember the guys on the podcast were talking like pickle slices or pickle juice. And that really did, did work for me. When I started feeling those hunger pains coming on, if I just take like a, couple pickle slices or a drink of pickle juice, I could make it a lot further. Yeah, I guess you were missing some of your electrolytes. I hear that quite a bit from people. Yes. And I, I actually ended up in the hospital because I travel for work and I, I was in Alabama at the time and it was hot, sweaty, and I ended up getting real sick down there and went into the hospital. Well, here, that was the problem. I had all my electrolytes. I had pretty much depleted them. Wow. So once they rehydrated me and everything else, I felt good again. And that's when I learned a hard lesson on electrolytes. Were you just low in electrolytes in general, or it was because you were doing some sort of longer fast? No, it was just, it was in general, just for the, how I, I, my intake throughout the day was just purely water. And that's where, when I was explaining it to the hospital, when I was there, they said that that could be the problem drinking straight water. I was flushing my body out completely drinking. Cause I was drinking up to a, a gallon and a half, to two gallons of water a day in, in my fasting window. But being that that's all it was, there was no electrolytes and I was just pretty much cleansing my body or flushing everything out of my body. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is a good lesson to learn about the electrolytes. Do you have to take electrolytes every day with your fast or was it just like kind of a one-time thing when you were traveling and there were other things going on? No, now I do introduce it. Now that I'm aware of it and familiar with them, I do introduce it daily with my fast. I 
add, you know, a salt, a magnesium supplement and a potassium supplement. And it's called, I think it's fast light. I found it's, that's all it is, is essential things that don't break your fast. So I add okay. it to my water and you don't even taste it. I'm going to have to look into that for myself. How do you feel when your electrolytes are low? It was draining. Like it, I felt really tired and, and I actually started having chest pains when I ended up in the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack and I was going to die on the state, but it was that it was just a lot of stress in my body real hard. And I just felt real sluggish and just kind of out of it. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so take me back to so your 23 and one or your one meal a day, basically mm-hmm. to start with. Now, every time I started a new diet as a type one, like my insulin needs go way down. I always do like two steps forward, one step back. Cause I end up having too much insulin and then I end up with lows and I got to treat the lows and I don't lose as much as I think I should lose. Cause I can't really regulate my diet very well. Was that happening to you or was the Medtronic sort of stepping in and kind of handling it? That's where I was really lucky and blessed with the having the Medtronic is it, it I really had no struggle changing my eating habit that extreme that fast because it, with the pump being in that semi-auto mode, it automatically just readjusts on its own. So it, it adjusts your basils basically automatically. So yes. it, it could see that you didn't need as much. And then obviously you weren't bolusing because you weren't, you except for the one meal that you were eating, but yes. you weren't bolusing otherwise. Yes. And so you, now, yeah. at first I was in my normal bolus and the, the ratio factor of, you know, so many carbs per unit. And at first it was the same, obviously. And then as it, as time went on and I started to lose, the weight started falling off. I did have to back down that ratio to where, you know, it's more like seven or eight for one unit. Now it's 10 to 12 carbs per one unit. The insulin sensitivity definitely has changed. Yeah. I found, I found that too. And I guess just for maybe listeners that don't know the Medtronic you still have to put in, because I remember this from the 670G, but it, I'm sure it's probably the same for the 770. You need to pre-program in basils, insulin to carb, and insulin sensitivity, right? And then the algorithm yes. kind of does its thing. Yes, yes. Okay. But as you were fasting, you were noticing like, oh, my insulin sensitivity, I need to move that up. You know, I need to change my insulin to carb and I need to, did you change your basal rates as well? Or did the algorithm just ha- handle that? The, the pump handled all that itself because once it goes into the auto mode, you it over it it overrides all those settings you put in there, be, except for the basal rates or the insulin sensitivity. Okay, gotcha. So, did you have any problems with lows in the beginning, or was it pretty much you know okay? It was pretty much okay. It's I mean it would dip down, but it's like as long as it wasn't trending down or, and I wasn't doing anything extraneous to make it continue to drop, my body rebounded really well on its own. So it'd get down into like 60 and I'd wait it out. And the next thing I know is I see the numbers going back up then 68 and then 75, and it would level itself back out. The body's amazing on how well it can take care of itself. Yeah, I actually, I'm the same as you. Like if I see my blood sugar, especially like if I'm further into a fast, if I've just eaten a meal, then I get, and I get a really bad low blood sugar, I'm definitely going to treat it. But like, if you're well into your fast and you end up at like 60, 65, even like whatever the case may be, like, you know, your body will just handle it and bring you up naturally. It might not be in two seconds, but it, you mm-hmm. know, 
20 minutes or so, you should basically be back to 80 or something that you could live with. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so you started with OMAD. Have you always been on OMAD or have you switched it up at all? No. Um, the further I got into it and the more weight I was losing, I did, you know, cause it's, I've read and seen people talk about how your body will plateau because it gets used to that treatment. And I ended up switching it up here a few months ago to where it was five days OMAD. And then on the weekends, I would eat two meals a day. I would eat a lunch and then I would eat dinner just to change it up. And then Monday, right back to OMAD. And that's been working pretty well for you? Yes. Yes. Now this, oh, past this over, over this past holiday season, it's been a little less strict, but the good thing was, is I, I gained no weight at all, but I did open my window for probably 12 hours or plus over the holidays. And like I said, it was amazing that I did not gain weight, but I maintained what I had. So it's promising. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things I like about fasting is like, there's all these different levers you can pull. So like, if you want to go crazy on the holidays and maybe you can just have a little bit of a longer fast or you can tighten up your eating a little bit, like it's just, once you understand the the inputs into like how your weight works, it's so easy to maintain it. I wish I had figured this mm-hmm. out like years ago, you know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so you do OMAD and then, you know, 16, eight kind of on the weekends and your yeah. pump sort of adjusts to the fact that you're eating two meals a day and you don't really suffer with lows when you change from the weekdays to the weekends. No, it's it, it adjusts very well. And it's, far as bolusing myself, you know, with taking in count of the meals I'm eating it, my sugar is like, I call it flat line because on that little graph thing, it used to look like a roller coaster at a park to now it's just like a straight line right across. I don't you so, love that. That's the best part. Mm-hmm. That's the first time in my life. I mean, it's, I've had diabetes for over 20 years and this is the first time I feel like I control it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel the same way. And I, I definitely identify with the roller coaster. I've been on the roller coaster for years, even if you're not even eating like a high carb meal, even if you're just eating something that's, you know, low impact, you can still end up on the roller coaster pretty oh, easily. It's just one little miscalculation of your bolus. And then there you are off on mm-hmm. the roller coaster, um, you know, where you go out for a walk and you just had a tiny bit of insulin in your system and just off on the roller coaster. But if you're fasting, you know, I find that it's like, it's not such a big deal. You know, exercise is always hard, but and I definitely want to talk about that later. But mm. when I'm fasted, I feel like I can handle it a little bit better than yes, not fasted. <laughs> yeah, there's no surprises going on in there when you're fasted. Yeah. So maybe we can pivot back to the weight loss. So you started at 333 in May, 2021. And did the weight kind of come off pretty steadily or how did that work? I was on... Two months into it, I was on a steady, about averaging one pound a day. Wow. And it it was amazing. I mean, it happened so fast that I didn't even realize it. I had other people realizing it and saying it, but myself, I, it just, it was amazing how quick it fell off. And that's why I feel bad when I see other people talking the struggles and they've been fasting for two months. I've only lost three pounds. And it's like, I feel, I feel for you. Cause I, lo- I was the lucky one that it worked and it worked well for me right from the get go. So I think the first week when I started, I dropped almost 10 pounds, mostly probably water weight, but it was, it definitely has been a downward trend since I started. 
Wow. Well, I mean, maybe a lot of it had to do with, you know, the thyroid issues that you had, and it just was weight that needed to come off anyway. Yes. And I know with the thyroid, the Medicaid Synthroid is based on weight. And by the time I had my next doctor's appointment, my thyroid levels were so high, they had to, that my medication got cut in half and then cut in half again because of the weight loss. Wow. Wow. So you're really on a low dose of the synth right now, which is great. Yes. Yeah. So you lost weight very quickly. And then are you at where you want to be right now? Or are you still trying to lose weight? No, I'm still trying to lose weight. I'm at 230 now. And I'm hoping, I mean, I'd be happy where I'm at because this is the lowest I've been and close to probably 20 years. And, but if I could get lower to closer to 200, I mean, great. And that's where my goal was 225. But now that I'm knocking at the door and we'll go for 200, if it happens, it happens. If not, I can shop now in normal stores in the normal clothes. So I can live here. Find me what your height is again. Um, 5'8". You're 5'8". Okay. Yeah. Yes. And when I started, my body fat percentage was 38%. And now today, when I checked this morning, I'm down to 22% body fat. Wow. I've lost a lot of body fat and I've really got things together. I can tell, I can tell just by looking at you, you look very trim and thin and fit. You have a really nice and a nice healthy look to you too, which is fantastic. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's like, it's funny when you set out these goals, when you're losing weight and you just think they're so unattainable and then you get closer mm-hmm. to them and you're like, oh, I probably can just blow right through that if I want to, you know, Oh, absolutely. Yes. And probably without even trying, like, you know, just keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing and it'll just happen naturally. Yes. Wow. Yeah, because this, this became a lifestyle now. I mean, it's this is this is the way I'll I'll live the remaining part of my life is fasting and taking life, you know, not how some people say you don't live to eat, you eat to live. That's kind of what we go by now. Yeah. And I mean your story is just so incredible. And you've lost a lot of weight in a very short period of time. Did you obviously we we talked a little bit about your protocol but we haven't talked at all about your diet. Did your diet change at all when you started fasting or has it pretty much been the same? I'd have to say no. It's, I mean, I still eat everything I ate before just now in one meal a day. I eat till I'm full and I've, you've seen some of my posts, I'm sure the food that I posted on there. And it's like, I, I don't shy away from steak and hamburgers and seafood. I mean, we eat a wide range of food to where it just, it, whatever's on the menu that night and looks good. That's what we make. Yeah. I see. So you're like kind of moderate carbs. You're not like, you're not keto. You eat no. carbs. Yeah. No, it's just moderate carbs. Now I did find a website that does like keto bread. Cause I love bread, but I just don't eat bread. And I found a website that you can make almond flour bread and it really is delicious. What and website that, is that? I want to know. It's called the big man's and it's all based on a keto diet, but you can definitely find a lot of low carb recipes on there that'll fit your lifestyle and kind of substitute out the things we do enjoy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm going to, I'm going to check into that. Yeah. One of the things, and I'm just curious if this happened to you at all when you started fasting, especially since you have such a short window and I do OMAD too, but my window, it's open for like two and a half, three hours, usually per day. The one mm-hmm. hour is tight. Like, I don't, I don't know if I could do that, <laughs> <laughs> but when I open it, like I'm not craving unhealthy foods. Like I want something nutritious. Like I used to be just 
really into fried foods and chips and sweets and things like that. And I feel like a lot of those types of foods I'm not as interested in anymore because I realize that I don't have a lot of time in the day to make up for, I don't have any time in the day to make up for poor choices. Have you mm -hmm. noticed that at all that your body craves healthier food? Oh, absolutely. It's like anything. Cause I, I guess I was kind of a chip guy too and salty chips and things like that. I used to crave a lot, but now it's more like I, I look forward to dinner time and the flavors and just the healthier, I guess, choices that you look forward to the, to eating a healthy meal. Cause you know, it's more satisfying. I guess yeah. for me it is, it's, I find just food more satisfying more than just a crutch. I, I agree with that completely. So take us back to some of the, the diabetes stuff in particular. So before you started fasting, your A1C was where, and then where is it nowadays? Well, right now it's at six, five. Wow. And that's the lowest it's ever been before the pump and before even checking it. It's just like, I flew by the seat of my pants. And I, I think at one time I was trying to go for a high score and it was double digits. And just, I was in the path of where I was going to, I was going to die early for my poor choices and sugar management. But now, like I said, it's down to six, five and just, it definitely just, I don't know, changed everything. Yeah. Is your doctor on board with this or do they know anything about fasting? Well, I just had my appointment last month with him and I was looking forward to seeing him just because of the way he treated me the last time I was there, he had no idea what I was doing and going in there a hundred pounds lighter for my appointment. It's like, he can't argue with me what I'm doing is wrong because everything he's tried to tell me didn't help. And I went in the S and he, he really just was amazed by the weight loss and asked me how. And I, was, I told him I was waiting to get the backlash. And he's like, oh, if it's working for you, go for it. And he goes, and exactly what are you doing? He goes, I got a little bit of weight I need to take off. And it was like, he's completely on board with it. And he says just to keep going with how I'm going, because my blood work come back perfect. And everything else is going up the way it should be. Yeah, I think intermittent fasting is just such a you know, it's, it's a tool that I don't think a lot of endocrinologists or a lot of doctors are even familiar with, but it's mm -hmm. so transformative and it's, it's kind of a shame. Like, don't you wish that at some point in your diabetes career that some doctor had said to you, Hey, think about intermittent fasting as a way to manage your blood sugars. Oh, absolutely. that have been life-changing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that it'll become, it's already becoming mainstream, but for whatever reason, it hasn't trickled over into the medical community yet, but I'm hoping that at some point it does, mm -hmm. you know, it seems like the more and more success stories you see, I think it'll, they're not going to have an option to keep overlooking it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you found intermittent fasting, did you get into any of the science of it? I, I think I saw in one of your posts, you had referenced Dr. Jason Fung, Yes. The first book I read of his was the obesity code. And that's where I, I learned a lot from that, just from the history he gives with how our, the human species evolved into eating all day long, every day to where that's, you know, the autophagy and the healing of the body. And so, I mean, it, at first it was for weight loss. Then it turned it, it added a little bit more when you realize the benefits that come from it long-term instead of the, just the short-term weight loss. And then yeah. I think it's that the fast feast repeat 
book by what, like Jen Meg? Stevens. Yeah, Jen, Jen Stevens. Stevens. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Read her book and it was like, that's kind of like how between them two, that's what I based my lifestyle off of. And then any extreme days, I go back to the fasting for life guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're a Jen Stevens fan, I am too. Mm-hmm. She's a real stickler for the, the clean fast. And I know you take electrolytes, but otherwise are you pretty much adhering to the clean fast principles? Yes. Black coffee and water is pretty, when I'm fasting, that's all that's in there. Yeah. I started out dirty fasting in 2019 and I abandoned intermittent fasting because it was so hard because I was just struggling to make it through a single fast. And then now that I clean fast, it's just, I feel like it's so much easier. Do you notice that too, when you're clean fasting that you don't, you don't really have the hunger, you don't have hunger issues as much. Yes, I do notice that because I have tried now in the later stages of this, I've tried to add cream back into my coffee, thinking it's a lot of the heavy cream, zero carbs. And just to add something, I noticed when I introduce flavors early on in the day, it kicks in the hunger again. And I get hungrier throughout the day if I add anything else to my day. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same too. It's for me, it's just, if I don't do the clean fast, there's just no way that I could mm-hmm. do this. And I've already experimented the other way, but it, the clean fast just makes it more tolerable for your brain to get through the whole thing. So I see that you exercise, you do some walking, you do some lifting. Yes. How, we, how do you find that with fasting? Do you do that? How do you do that around your, your fasting schedule? When I was, uh, I'm on second shift right now, but when I was on first shift, I get off work, we'd go to the gym and I'd work out fasted both weight training and cardio. And I honestly, I, I found more, I found it more beneficial for myself and I had more energy as odd as it sounds working out fasted than I did in a feeding fed state. Cause I've tried it both ways now and I'd prefer to work out in a fasted state than in a fed state. Yeah. And then you don't have the complexity of the insulin on board and you don't have any leftover meal in your stomach that's trying to digest. And yes. Yeah. I I was actually able for the first time in my life, I I ran for 15 minutes straight on the treadmill and did over a mile. It's like this been, I'm doing things now in my forties that I haven't, I couldn't do in my teens. Amazing. So when does first shift end? I would get off work. I'd get off work on first shift. I'd get off at three. Okay. And then by the time we hit the gym, come back home, it'd be dinner time. So but, is your window an eating, your eating window, is it a, an evening eating window? Yes. Yes. I ate dinner just because it was, it, I feel like, I felt like I still wanted to be part of the family instead of being the odd one sitting in the corner, not eating. I figured I'd try, try that first. And that it's, that worked for me. We'd eat about six o'clock every day, like clockwork and done by seven. And that would be the last time I ate for the rest till the following day at six. What time do you normally go to bed at if, if you were to do that? Uh, probably about nine, 10 o'clock at the latest. Okay. So you still have time after your last meal to get your blood sugars under control before you go to bed and go to bed with a good blood sugar. Yes. Yes. Now, now that I'm on second shift, just temporarily, I've been eating lunch a little bit earlier, about four thirty, five o'clock. Because I have been hearing more and more, the earlier you eat, the more stable your sugar would become because it's digested before you sleep. And so I did struggle with that a lot is for some odd reason, no matter if I went to bed with my sugar at 90, I'd wake up and it's 170. I didn't understand it. Or if I'd wake up and it's 100, by the time I get to work, 
it's up to 170. And I did a little bit of research on that and found that if you eat earlier in the day, it gives your body enough time to settle back down to where you don't have that result, which really seemed to help for me too when I switched to that. But I don't like eating that early in the day. Yeah, it's, it's tough. So the way I kind of figured out my eating window is I have a little bit of a dawn phenomenon. I don't know if you have, mm-hmm. have that as well. Yeah. Because your work schedule is shift. So I don't know how that works. Do you get sort of a dawn phenomenon when you wake up, even if it's at different times of the day? Yes, because I was on third shift for years and it would be the same thing. It'd be when I get up in the evening, I would suffer from that. It's like your body just readjusts itself. Yeah. Okay. So what I decided was I want to deal with the dawn phenomenon because my feet on the floor be like seven, seven thirty-eight, whatever it is on the particular day, and then deal with that and then let my blood sugar settle down, then open my window around 10, eat until 12, 31 o'clock. And then I don't have any food in my system for the entire rest of the day. And I would go to bed with a real stable blood sugar, basically overnight, just straight line and then wake up and do the whole thing again. So, yeah, I mean, but it depends like with you, you have a different work schedule. You have a different family life. You have to make it work for you. Yes. Yeah. It's been easy to, that's what I love about the fasting is you can really have it fit your lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of your lifestyle, has your family been pretty supportive of what you've been doing? Oh, absolutely. My, my wife, she's kind of used to all the crazy diets and ideas and things that I try. And so at first, I think she was a little apprehensive about it. And just, I mean, who, because who just doesn't eat and especially being diabetic. But once she saw it, the results of it. And, you know, she would sit back and hear my podcast that I was listening to. And she really jumped on board with it. And there was days that I, you know, struggling and I'd walk through the kitchen, you know, go to grab something. And she's like, are you eating yet? And it's like, okay, that's that little, the little angel on your shoulder telling you to make the right choices. Yeah. So she's she been really- you? What? No, she's, she's tried it to not as an extreme to lose weight because she's 4'11 and 95 pounds. So she's did it for more of a health reason because she does have like irritable bowel and gluten sensitivity. And there's been studies that fasting could help with that. So she went for like a 16, eight type schedule. But as far as being on a fasting schedule, she's, she kind of does her own thing. Yeah. Well, she doesn't need to lose any weight or anything. She seems like she's in a healthy range. Yeah, she's always been my healthy icon to look after. And now it's kind of, she kind of teases me now with how things are showing up on my body that I never had, like abs and things like that. And she'll walk by and say that, you know, that's where she wants to be. I'm like, okay, I never got that from somebody. (laughs) So you said that there was a buddy of yours at work that was also into fasting. Has anybody else at work gotten into fasting? Actually, since I've started this, it's kind of caught on like fire. And because if anybody knows what a machinist is and working in a factory, it's a pretty sedentary lifestyle. So we all grow with the job. And now it's there's a good probably half dozen or more people that's fasting. And the one that I originally talked to that was fasting, he's continuing to fast and keeping the weight off. And a lot more people have jumped on board with the fasting and have had great results from it. Yeah. Fasting is amazing for everybody. That's so good to hear. Mm -hmm. So I want to just get, well, we have a few minutes left. I want to get a little bit more into 
the technical part of your fasting, because I think as type ones, there's just a shortage of information about how we manage our insulin and how we handle some of the, the medical part of fasting, because even our doctors don't really know. It's something that's done through trial and error. You were taking quite a bit of insulin before you started fasting. And then I think your insulin needs are about half of what they were previously. Is that correct? Yes. Sometimes even less. Cause I was on an average, it was 50 to 70 units a day. I was taking throughout my, the basal rates and all, everything together in a day. And there were some days I, I've seen through my charts that it was over like 120, 130 units in a day to where now there's been some days I've taken less than 20 units total during the day. And wow. it's, it's amazing how far that drops off. And that wasn't even an intention of mine. I didn't even know what insulin sensitivity was when I started this. And yes, that insulin has definitely, the need for it has dropped off, even being type one, where there's been a couple of times I actually thought, I wonder if this could actually heal type one diabetes, but it reminds you real quick, you still need a little insulin. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I find that anytime I get over 24 hours in a fast, basically I just need to shut the basal off. There's no need for it anymore. Mm -hmm. but you'll have to like give yourself a minor bump of basal at some point in the future, yes. but like, it's just basically goes drops to zero mm -hmm. and you do OMAD, but do you do any longer fast as well? Or do you pretty much keep it to the OMAD and then the 16, eight on the weekends? Well, me and a friend at work that he started fasting after he started seeing the results and we actually decided one time to do a 48 hour fast. So we did and it, it worked great. I think I lost seven pounds in wow. 48 hours and he did also, but right when we broke the fast and refed and by the next day, going back into OMAD, I gained six of them back. So it was like, I, for me, the longer fast minus the autophagy and maybe some of the other health benefits for what I was looking for, the longer fast just didn't work for me. So I've been strictly pretty much OMAD the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I, same here. I mean, I, I would like to try doing longer fast and I, maybe I just need to build up to them. Cause I just mm -hmm. felt like I couldn't, you know, after, you know, after 24 hours, I start like feeling a little weird and then anything really beyond that, I just start losing it. So I need to like build up my, it's just like when in the beginning, when you start, you need to like, well, you didn't, you just went right into it, but <laughs> you have to like build up to it, you know? Yes. So, okay. That's what I noticed after the 48 hours though, it felt, it was like that feeling of why even eat again, but then, yeah, like the hunger had passed. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. You can go that long without eating, but yeah. Know. Yeah, there's, I mean, you listen to the podcast, there's been a couple of guests on that have done like really long fast. And I'm like, so impressed with them. Cause I'm just like, yes. how do you do that? You know, cause it just seems like such a foreign idea to me, but it's true. Once you get beyond a certain number of hours, your body just kind of like, eh, I don't need to eat anymore. Mm -hmm. And it feeds off itself. And I always remember Dr. Fung saying is if, you know, if you're so many pounds overweight, you have plenty enough energy there to waste. Yeah. So the last kind of technical question I wanted to ask you, and this is something that obviously is type ones we all struggle with is if you get a low blood sugar. Now I know the, the Medtronic kind of keeps you pretty stable, but I assume at some point you get lows when you're in your fasted state. Does yes. that ever happen? Yes, it has happened a few times. And how do you, how do you treat them? Usually if we candy, the wife will carry the, the sugar tablets with us and, and it's orange juice. I mean, I don't really have anything strict. I heard, I know you like gummy bears and that's kind of, kind of one of my downfalls. I like gummy bears just to eat them. Yeah. But 
it's whatever we have on hand. I don't have anything specific I eat or carry along with me. It's like, if I, if my sugar starts going low, then I'll, I'll get a juice or a drink or food that's around. I will break my fast if my sugar go, starts dropping like that, just because obviously your health's more important than a fast at that point. Yeah. And I think that's one of the important things to keep in mind is, you know, if you get low to a point where you can't, like you said, like if you're 60 or 65 and you just decide to roll with it, if you're well mm-hmm. into your fast, your, your blood sugar will come up naturally over time, like fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're on one of those situations where you're dropping real fast and you have a lot of insulin on board and you have to treat it, you have to treat it. Like that's just the way it goes. Yes. Do you roll right back into your fast after you treat it? Or do you just say, you know, what, I'm going to eat a meal and I'm just going to stabilize here. No, I'll, I'll break the fast to treat my low blood sugar, but then I'll just pick right back up. I won't eat again till dinner. Okay. So yeah, when it's, when I eat dinner, that's when I feed every day. Not if I have to break it for any other reason throughout the day or if it was an accident, I don't take that as for me, I just don't punch the ticket that day and just refeed all day. Yeah. At least yeah. that keeps me focused. Cause I know how I'll probably be. I start eating and I'll just continue throughout my feeding window plus. Yeah, I'm the same. And I probably make it out of the week, maybe three days, maybe four if I'm lucky without having a low during my fast. And Mm -hmm. the other days I treat the low and then I just move on. Hopefully it doesn't happen that often, but it does happen. We're type one, it's going to happen. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, well, I really like your story. Before we wrap, is there anything that you want to tell people other type ones or a lot of other people that are pre-diabetic and type two that listen to this podcast, anybody that's in the diabetes space, you know, when it comes to intermittent fasting, do you have anything that you'd like to to share with them about maybe getting started or tips or tricks or anything like that? I would say just do your research and pick up a book, read it. Like, I mean, the feast, fast, repeat, Dr. Fung has many books out there and resources, but just don't be afraid to try it. I mean, just give it a chance, start slow and go at the pace that your body's telling you to go at. Don't go off somebody else's standards or what works for them because we're all different. Yeah. And I like your story because you not only have the type one aspect, but you also have the thyroid issues that you've sort of been able to manage through as you've been fasting. So that's, it's pretty incredible that you've been able to manage two distinct issues through fasting. Yes. What once seemed impossible is very possible. Well, thank you so much for being on. And I know you have a little bit more weight that you want to lose, but whether you lose it or not, you've already accomplished so much. Yes. And it's just, it's been a really great story. So thank you. Thanks for having me on. I hope somebody gets something out of it. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.